0: 7th day children to the indigo children welcome to the unofficial tool podcast discussed it goes elbow deep overthinking and analyzing tool songs please keep in mind that this podcast is unofficial that these are my opinions and will involve some speculation with a large hooker with a penis size serving a facts. as a matter of facts today's episode is going to be all about hooker with a penis Most of all, because I look forward to seeing Hooker with a Penis live at the show tomorrow. My show is tomorrow. But also because I got this awesome Hooker with a Penis sized, sorry, (laughs) Hooker with a Penis themed box from Scott Braxa and Sugar That Rocks with the OGT Founding Father on there. The print is really cool. You can't see it as well on camera as you can in person, but it's kind of metallic. It's got like a photo print. Scott Baxa, check him out on Instagram and check out Sugar That Rocks, their page. They, they created that together. They did a whole hooker with a penis themed box. It was really awesome. But Maynard was the founding father. Maynard and Adam were the founding fathers of Tool. So this is very fitting. He's not only the founding father of Tool, but the founding father of my creativity. The founding father of creativity and a lot of people were inspired by Tool. Uh, they also, much like the United States, there's a parallel there with independent thinking and there's even democracy in Tool with the writing, and they split everything four ways. And last but not least, one fat ass dirty dollar and capitalism hooker with a penis. As I said before, the theme is hooker with a penis for a couple of reasons notwithstanding that. But before I get into that, I just want to let you guys know that the tool show is tomorrow. My tool show in Louisville. And so this episode is going to be shot on one camera just to simplify the editing. I know that some of you, Jambi, you requested that I keep the two camera format and I'll be returning to that. But for this month, it'll be one camera just to simplify the editing because I'll get back on probably the fifth and then I got to edit it on the 6th, and it'll hopefully be out on the 7th. So rather than cram all the things I wrote down in my notepad, you know, I write down random things uh, that, that occur to me to talk about, and then I organize my thoughts later and put it all together into kind of a story, you know, or, or a through line. I organize my thoughts. But instead of cramming all that and what will follow at the Tool Show into one episode, I thought it might be better to split these up. So for this week and the following weeks, I'm going to temporarily change what it means to be a Seventh-day Ascendist. For more information on our tool, Subculture, emphasis on cult, go check out episode one. You'll find out everything you need to know about Seventh-day Ascendist. But here's the plan. So for the next couple weeks, Seventh-day Ascendist means Seventh-day of the Week. That's right. You heard me right. Saturday. And if you don't think it's Saturday, go look at your calendar, you tool. Sunday begins the week on every Gregorian calendar. Stay with me. Seventh-day Ascendist will be the seventh day of every week for the next couple weeks, just for the temporary foreseeable future, because I want to divide this episode up so it's not so much editing, and because who knows what will follow. I want to do tool trivia with uh, my road dogs and, uh, and some people in line, and like I said, the reasons being that it's a bit too much to cover all in one episode all the things I wrote down. Opiate? Squared? Come on! And the stress of it, and Tool Trivia, and the segments like Tom with the Weather, and the Disgustipated segment, and the Tool Collection segment. And because who knows what'll happen tomorrow. Maybe Maynard rides me like a bull through the entire performance of Push It while I wave. Uh, I'd like to think my brother and Amish Maynard and Rachel for driving me here and to my wife for taking care of my little ones. I miss you guys. Love you so much. Um, And Tool, I couldn't do this without you. And Jambi, hi friend. Keep an eye on Tempest for me. I'd like to request that Tool Countdown eulogize me in the event that Maynard just chokes me out because I don't know if I can make it through this whole song. I don't know why I decided to get on stage during Invincible. I guess I thought I was invincible, but I'm getting lightheaded now. Love you guys. Oh, oh, and before I pass out, I'd like to thank Tom with the weather. I'd like to thank you for being the asshole of the show. You're like the Eric Cartman to my South Park. And on that note, here's Tom with the weather. Tom. Thanks, Jeff but you can point that fucking finger up your ass. If I'm the man, then you're the man, and he's the man as well. So we should celebrate by being Insufferable Tool fans together. Hi, I'm Tom. Has Maynard called you an insufferable? If so, these shirts are for you. Has Jimmy thrown you to the ground with a fancy jujitsu move while christening your back with his tool and showing the entire world what a tool you are? Then have I got the shirt for you. Not this one, but those ones. The new Insufferable and Disgustipated Podcast t-shirts are replacing the old design, the OGT Maynard design. So, if you want one of these, get them while they're still there. On the 7th of April, I'll be pulling them for good. OGT no more. If you want to be an OGT Disgustipated Podcast fan, get your shirt now. And if you're an Insufferable, and I know that you are, this shirt is for you. For more information, pick up your phone right now.
1: Right now! Right now!
0: Because time's running out. And dial 666 728 Oh! Or just check the link in the description or the bio or the whatever the fuck wherever you want to go to spend your fat ass dirty dollar, it'll be there waiting. Shut up and buy. Back to you, Jeff. Thanks, Tom. I'll have to pick up one of those to wear in a future episode. Driving into Louisville with my brother, and the face behind Amish Maynard. Our cult leader. And in a sense, the founding father, OGT, of my little group of friends, besides my father, showing it to me when I was a child. I mean, I heard, like, Anima was the first thing I remember hearing. Uh, I don't know if I've told this story, but it sounded like returning home when I finally got Anima and I listened to it. And it sounded so familiar. I mean, not even to quote Third Eye, but that song in itself was a synchronicity. I talk about synchronicity later more, but... So glad to see you. I've missed you so much. You know, that... Anyway, that's what it was like listening to Anima for the first time as an adolescent. I had already heard it as a kid, and it just seemed so familiar. But the face behind Amish Maynard, my drummer... He showed it to me. He showed me Tool at a very formative age when I was starting to learn how to play music and uh, play guitar, and I was playing in bands. And, like, you know, the timing of when music hits you has a big effect on how much you love something, you know. And I I love Tool, and I I think it's amazing and great. But I also recognize that, to quote Eddie Vedder from... uh, There's a Pearl Jam song. Uh, I can't think of the quote, but... He says, like, everything good comes from youth. I think it's uh, not for you. Uh, Pearl Jam, Vitalogy, that album is amazing. But, you know, the timing of when you hear things has a lot to do with what emotions or or whatever brain chemicals you have. It ties all these things. Uh, And you're young and you're, you know, full of whatever emotions and all those things are tied to that music as well that's where nostalgia comes from but but i would i would dare say that that has a lot to do with why people might not attach directly right away to like fear inoculum which i think is amazing i think i reserved a judgment i wanted to listen to it a bunch before i finally of course i loved fear inoculum like right away but you know and descending like there's amazing parts in every one of the songs but i might not have initially gotten it right away i think you have to sit with something for a while before you make a judgment. But I'm getting sidetracked from what I wrote down in my notes here. I'm just, uh, I'm trying to be more, more spontaneous and sporadic. The last episode, I kind of scripted a lot of it. I wrote a lot of it out. And this time I'm trying to just go with ideas and talk and maintain, you know, flow. And actually the, the one camera format helps with that because if I have two cameras, the one camera keeps dying and I have to like I have to set a timer for every 10 minutes it's it's a whole bullshit thing but anyway hopefully i get a new camera soon so i won't have to worry about that and jambi i will keep the two camera format and I, I really like it too not just for you but because uh you told me i i agree it's awesome you know i, I already thought it was pretty cool i like I like having that one over there to look at uh it, you know the sound quality might be better though with just one mic or uh, with uh, the mic with just one camera the mic will stay you know centered in one i'll stay centered really it's me it's my wiggly ass so yeah i'll probably do tool trivia um with the guys in the car at least with my brother i know he he mentioned wanting to do it at some point but i'll probably do tool trivia and maybe vlog a little bit maybe if i can get some video of the merch lines or people in line you know i got my 360 camera hopefully i can get a little bit of all that stuff it'll be really cool if i can do it but that'll be next episode so on to this episode Oh, and we can't forget Opiate Squared. That video drops on the 18th. If this comes out on the 7th of March, 7th, it'll be 14. So no, Opiate Video, the Opiate Squared video won't be out by the next episode, but it'll be out by the one after that. So that's, again, another reason why it's like, it'll be better to do it Seventh Day ascendus, being seventh day of every week for just the next foreseeable future. Opiate 2, the recording was amazing. It sounds so fresh and rip like the tone is ripping through the speakers like the guitars are i mean everything is more in your face sound engineering wise not just production wise things have gotten more complex and more like refined and everything i think sylvia massey did did an amazing job on the first ep but his vocals are more clean you know clear he sings beautifully uh you can tell he could do the rage thing if he wanted to but he's like holding back um you know, he's changed. Uh, his opinions have changed. Not just his voice, you know. Uh, but voices change over time too. Chris Cornell from Audio Slave to Soundgarden. Soundgarden his range was just unbelievable. Um, and then he comes in with Audio Slave, and to me I could hear just a little bit of squeezing on his throat like something wasn't quite there anymore. Uh, not that I don't I love Audio Slave. Uh, and Tom Morello and Rage Against the Machine, all that stuff. But anyway, I can tell voices degrade over time, especially when you're doing what he does. Chris Cornell did a lot of vocal fry. You know, think of what the guy in ACDC does, like, you know, that's what Chris, I mean, it's a version of that. Chris Cornell kind of had that sort of falsetto vocal fry thing going on in some instances, but I'd imagine that scars your vocal cords, you know. So Maynard is avoiding that, but also his opinions change, you know, over time. I think something has changed. That's what's great about Tool is that they play from their heart, they play from where they're at. And now, as artists, they don't just keep rehashing the same old thing. People say it wasn't like uh, they're mad because it wasn't the old album. It wasn't like Anima or... or I know people that are like, ah, Tool, you know, they lost it a long time ago and I haven't been listening to Tool, and I, I asked them, like, okay, so what album did they lose it on, in your opinion? I just got to know. I'm curious. And he said Lateralis, and that's when I'm like, pfft fucking this guy's an idiot you know but it's all personal preference you know i get that too and he just wants to hear angry music but you know what go listen to angry music there's lots of that and it's just one emotion straight through you can go listen to angry music anytime i follow tool because i respect the artistry and the integrity of the artist you know uh and like radiohead you know you follow them for what they do they have integrity and they're great artists and they're going to change their sound and you just have to you're along for the ride it's not like 80s music where Shit all of a sudden got like it was all electronic drums and just shitty, you know, music. All of a sudden, like artists were just changing the way they did things and the sound changed just to follow what everybody else was doing. It's not like that tool changes because they're evolving. So, all that to say, I loved the new opiate squared. I thought it was amazing. The middle section gave me chills. Right before that is the line where he says, Shine your light. And then it all, you know, it changes. The chords change and it, shifts into that spot and then it drops the dynamics drop down and it gets real quiet and Danny's drums it sounds like um sounds like i picture like a um what is the word i'm thinking of like an old shaman you know rattling bones on a on a necklace you know like i picture some kind of ceremony is what i picture like summoning something i can't wait for the video uh Dominic Hailstone did the visuals for it he worked on like Alien Covenant and uh, some short films and, and other things. I really loved Alien Covenant and I'm excited to see what he does with this. And he's been doing all the amazing visuals for the tour. I was already talking about that in the last episode of how amazing the stage setup is. And he's he's the one, the master behind, mastermind behind a lot of that. Um, so we know this is going to be amazing. And they've been slipping that design on the back of the t-shirt. This whole time it was opiate and we had no idea. Maybe some people at the clinics, maybe some people from the clinics knew, but I had no idea. We, I think most people were clueless that they were buying an opiate squared shirt. And this video is another jump because Adam Jones normally directs the videos. I think he directed all of them, but sober. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, though. He might not have had much directorial control over Hush. I don't know. But, you know, anyway, Adam Jones normally directs these videos. Dominic Hailstone is the director on this, and the song has, you know, the obvious theme of religion as the opiate of the masses, but then that breakdown in the middle makes me feel like over time he's seen some sort of uh, a change in opinions, and it might not be, he's no longer, it's not, it's not like you change your opinion and become pro-dogma when you're anti-dogma, but you, I think people can experience spirituality throughout their life, they can grow and that's what all the previous i mean a lot of the previous albums have themes of spiritual growth so i feel like they rounded back to opiate and and inserted some of the new tool with all their virtuosity and amazing skill that they have now but put it in that rough aggressive tune you know i think it's amazing i think it's still got all the aggression and like ripping guitars and drums they all sound amazing it sounds so good I listen to my car and like the placement of the drums and the stereo field, you know, it's like when, especially in that middle section, man, it's so cool. So good. I love the rattling of bones or drums or whatever he's doing. It sounds like clicking sticks. It's so cool. And as I said, you don't have to, if you change your opinion on spirituality and the existence of a, a thing, we'll just say that doesn't, that doesn't mean you completely negate the anger and whatnot, but like. You could still have anger about religion and how they kind of fool people, you know. I mean, just to dial in on TV some of these uh, worship television shows, you know, and you'll you'll see, like, uh, what's, I don't even know the guy's name, but he has, like, a huge mansion, <laughs> you know. Obviously, he's making a shit ton of money off people. But you can see the progression of Tool in their album art, too, you know. And art is a big thing for me a lot of it is interpretation you know you get to look at it and see what you want to see well the, the opiate opiate cover is kind of self-explanatory the uh, evil looking priest then you have undertow which is just a rib cage but it's like a red rib cage it's like pure anger all from the heart it's like just it's just all from the heart you know it's rage and Anima is like a smoking box, beginning to see the light. The light is in the middle of the box and it's starting to change. Things are starting to, it's still burning white hot, but it's beginning to change. Things are changing, you know, evaporating, you know. (laughs) And then Lateralis, the art is dissecting the complexity of life and peeling back the layers, you know, analyzing every layer of the complexity of life and how How unlikely something so complex is to be random. I mean, just look at Lateralis and how planned that, how how completely mathematical it is. Some of it was random; it happened by chance. But that's, and then they took that to the nth degree. You know, it's obviously a temple. It's obviously built just like if you were to see the pyramids. And you had no idea that Egyptians existed. You'd see the pyramids. And like, that doesn't just happen by random. It's not the wind blowing that caused that. And then 10,000 days, the goggles, it's like, not these goggles, but, you know, if if you, you look through those lenses and it's like seeing through another set of eyes, you know, it's like trying to see through somebody else's eyes, all the eyes of the net of being, you know, and then fear inoculum, I feel like is a wound up, it's curled up, it's like they're ironing it out. Maybe with all the clashing numbers and the music slamming up against each other, the guitar and the bass, and then they're all locked in together. It's like making your bed. I feel like it's just, you know, it's like calming the fear or uncoiling the snake. Plus the whole theme of seven, you know, like I said with lateralis, this is to the nth degree where it's like everything is so constructed and meticulous and everything's, they very thoroughly constructed a massive temple of epic proportions. So Opiate, opiate Squared, I watched that Tool Archive video, um, and it talks about, I'll, I'll link that below, but the Tool Archive video that came out, I think it was the same day that Opiate Squared was released, or, yeah, I think it was the same day, but... So that video talks about how heavily the number 7 ties in to a lot of tools work and their numerology stuff. You know, the Opiate, opiate 21st anniversary reissue, you know, 7 times 3 is 21. I don't know. There's so much numerology stuff in Tool. You know, I couldn't quote you everything that he said, but after hearing a whole video of 7s and stuff like that, then I looked down, and it had 777 likes. And Opiate was released on March 10th, which is my birthday. Uh, I'll be 36 this year, and Opiate's turning 30. So that's a little bit of synchronicity there, especially because 7, Seventh Day Ascendist, I know that I chose that because of 7 and Tool, but it was seven, seven, seven on the likes. I just thought that was kind of strange. Synchronicity has always kind of followed me around, or maybe it's something that, that our minds do Mine specifically does it quite a bit. And I have to sort through what's, what's, um, I have to sort through it all. I have an overactive creative brain that is you know, probably to my detriment. Sometimes it's creating falsities and stories, you know, calling voices. <laughs> you have to, you have to kind of call the, you have to calm that down. You have to sort through what's real and what's imagined but i think that's a creative trait is to just connect patterns you know that you see it's just like i like i i've said before in, in in another episode i had a stroke so i had a stroke my right side was paralyzed so it happened on my left side of my brain left side is logical right side is creative i have like an overactive creative side but i didn't want to get into all that like I said, synchronicity follows me around, though. Well, what's the difference between synchronicity and coincidence? Synchronicity is something that you apply personal meaning to. You see a meaning in it. Um, coincidence is just—it's just a coincidence. You know, it's just. I, I see those two, but I don't keep a log of, in my head. They don't—I don't add them up. But synchronicity, where it's something that has meaning, is like you stop and you're like, "Wow, that's weird." It, here's one of them. Me and my brother. I talked about maybe in the last episode, but we were having a conversation about God and the existence of god and uh and he 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 asked he asked why does God have to care about us why didn't he why isn't it like a chicken that just lays an egg and just walks off you know it's like oh well that's a i it took me back I was like, oh wow, that's a good question um and then the answer to that for me eventually was well, because complex things don't generally Come from uncomplex things, you know. Consciousness doesn't come from a chicken, but I, I don't know. I mean, that's, the, I guess, the evolution argument. Anyway, so that day, we talked about simulation theory as well. And so I'm, I'm running through all these things in my head, and like God and what is benevolence. And so I'm, I'm googling all this stuff and I'm looking it up. No, I, I hadn't googled it yet. So I had all this stuff in my mind, and then I lay down and I start to google it. And when I go to Google, Google is a video game. I'm going to Google simulation theory, and Google is a video game. I thought I flipped my lid. I was like, I thought I was on a video game. You ever seen that movie uh, <laughs> with um, with Edward Furlong? Brain scan. I can't recall the name of it, but that, that book I've talked about, uh, Demons Don't Dream, that's basically the theme is like, basically he creates a video game and then goes to inside it somehow. I don't remember how that happens, but he winds up in the video game. The earliest one the earliest synchronicity that i can remember is when i was a kid i was um i was playing on the i was playing on the couch i was pretending to be a ninja turtle um and i was i remember having the thought like why i remember thinking i always play like things that i've seen why don't i play like something i've never seen and so i'm pretending i'm a ninja turtle that works at the works at the fair or or something you know and i'm pulling like a lever and then on the TV, a commercial for Ninja Turtles that work at the circus. It was like Circus Ninja Turtles commercial. Comes on. Never seen it before. And I remember thinking, like I said, that I had the thought that I should play play like something I've never seen before. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong because it was that long ago, and maybe the commercial had subconsciously planted it in my brain. But I remember seeing the TV playing what I was doing in my brain and thinking, like, somebody is listening to me. Like, what is did I just, did they just hack my brain? And of course I didn't know the term hacked. I was a little kid, but I'm thinking like <laughs> like, I just felt like I was being watched or another little synchronicity. I won't even talk about all the stuff that I talked about with Maynard before in the previous episode. I Maynard had a, had a rabbit poster behind him, a shirt that said Jeff, and he's talking about Louisville in an interview after my podcast came out. So if that wasn't intentional, it's a hell of a bunch of coincidences all at once synchronicity i i applied meaning to it anyway so if it wasn't intentional (laughs) it just happens you know um another one the colorado springs poster if you haven't seen it it's basically two trees um interwoven into what looks like an infinity sign with a foot with two feet of a dead person i'm assuming he's dead that's i'm painting that part in there projecting it because there's an axe a bloody axe anyway my father spent his last days in colorado springs which like i said i've talked about this on the podcast and i'm not saying that adam i'm not saying anything i'm saying if nothing else it's a hell of a fucking coincidence or synchronicity Colorado Springs poster my father's ashes were planted with the seedling of a tree so he took he took on another life in a tree and again that's a reference to a book too like speaker for the dead in that book they study aliens that take on another life part of their reproductive process is to is to slaughter each other and f- then uh, a tree grows from that like they put the tree in the middle of the slaughtered pig, but it's an honor thing. It's like horrific, but beautiful and honor. It's it's really strange. It's a good book, *Speaker for the Dead*. But that's a hell of a synchronicity. The best way the best way I can describe synchronicity or deja vu. It feels like a wink from the universe. You know, it feels like you're on track to something. It feels like like hey, I see you, buddy. Hey, I I create I I created this little simulation for you to run through, <laughs> or maybe it just. Maybe what it is is a fractal universe in which, you know, there's a there's an infinite amount of views. Making every time a you make a choice, it splinters off in another direction. And maybe déjà vu or synchronicity is like when it lines back up, like all the a whole lot of the different views and parallel fractal universes have been back at that point. They they all cross that path again. Uh, maybe it's that. But like I said, the difference between synchronicity and coincidence is applying meaning. And maybe we do that as a human. We do that. We project meaning onto things, just like with God. Maybe it's (laughs) maybe it's just a creative thing that just creates, and we apply the meaning. You know that there has to be more. Again, that circles back to Alien, uh, the Prometheus. Uh, It was Alien Covenant when David is having the discussion with his creator, and and you know the human is uh, hesitant to believe that somebody just created him, but. David is like, so wait, I'm talking to my creator, but you're looking for yours? And he's like, yes, I refuse to believe, you know, that we were just created from nothing. (laughs) But David was just created, you know, (laughs) to serve. Like, come pour me some tea, David. Anyway, that circles back to the alien thing. But I'm getting sidetracked again. The human tendency to apply meaning to things. In the Lateralis album art, when you get to the final page, there's uh, the human brain. And if you look closely, it spells God in the lumps of the brain. Now, is that saying, because tool are the masters of creating ambiguous art, which art is the best when you can try to apply your own meaning and think it causes thought, if that's what art is. But the word God being in the brain, does that say that we thought up God, we made it up, or that God created and gave us a brain to think for ourselves? And again, the word God is loaded, so it just could be a creative force. Did the creative force create us? Is that just a creative force did we make up and apply? We apply all these human aspects to it. Maybe we apply meaning to all these overlapping coincidences, and it's just a symptom of maybe a fractal universe in which many things happen, Um, and just a single point of time is actually what exists. It's like a point in space. But I do know another synchronicity was that when I reached out and asked it, I was like, I saw the Colorado Springs poster, and I'm like, all right, I, I gotta have that. I love the poster, but also all the meaning tied to it. Um, and I reached out in all my four tool groups that I talked about this last episode, but some people helped me get it. And the next day, I'm looking at the notifications, and it was just an outpouring of love from all these people, and it that made me a little bit emotional, or a lot, really. It just warmed my heart. And then I see another notification that says to look at my memory, so I just... Happen to click on my memories. I don't always do that. I, a lot of times I don't fuck with Facebook, but so I click on that, and it shows me a bunch of memories from previous tool shows. Apparently they all happen around the same January or when I post about them. Or you know I don't even have that good of a memory, so I couldn't tell you. But there was a tool show from January that I just happened to sit in a random seat by myself next to somebody that I grew up with. <laughs> um, then there was uh, the original post of Amish Maynard when I swapped all the faces. That was in the memories in January. I think it was the exact same day uh, that I was looking at it. It was like after I requested that people help me find the Colorado Springs poster, then I see the Amish Maynard thing. Then right below that was a picture memory of my dad sitting on the couch watching Little Mermaid with my daughter and my cousin Steve. So that made me emotional because I often, you know, wish that they got to know my dad better. I don't know that they'll have many memories of him at all, but especially Dax, he won't he won't really have any memory of him, I don't think. Anyway, so my dad and my daughter and Steve are sitting there watching Little Mermaid, and Steve was also in the face swap picture with my dad and me and Amish Maynard. So the, all these things happen years apart, and yet they're right there in my memories. And then Steve, this will tie into my tool collection segment, but Steve bought me this vinyl this tool lateralis alex gray signed vinyl check it out steve actually took care of my dad in his last remaining days he he was there with him my my dad stayed in colorado springs with steve so steve actually bought three of those and sent one for my dad one for my brother and one for me and uh so after my dad died my brother kept the two So my brother now has two of them. And then I gave my dad opiate 21st anniversary reissue, but when he died, I gave that to my brother. And I also gave him a tool poster, the one from his birthday when we all went to that show. I gave it to him because it it was also another synchronicity. It was The art on it was done by Justin Chancellor, and it was on Justin's birthday. So (laughs) it was just like a sign that, oh, I should give that to my brother. Circling back to my theory of opiate, maybe over time this thing reveals itself to you more, you know, if you keep seeing piles of unlikely events just piling up, you know, they just keep happening, it's like this must be from something, and and a lot of them, like I said, it's synchronicity, it's things that only really have meaning to you personally, it's like you can't prove it, and you can't tell somebody and they understand the full depth of what you're feeling, you know, it's this thing that's only for you, and I feel like if there were a creator and it were to reveal itself it wouldn't it wouldn't show everybody it would, it would just be for you but i'm not trying to get too deep into all that i'm absolutely not religious i do believe in something i don't know what it is I and mean, that's the thing i like thinking about it i like thinking about it from a thousand different angles because we as humans apply human things to it we apply greed and anyway i'm getting off on that that's enough waxing poetic and philosophy. Let's talk about vinyl. Not this vinyl. Let's talk about vinyl. Let's talk about the Fear Inoculum vinyl. Holy shit. Fear Inoculum deluxe version box set vinyl. It looks so cool. So cool. I was like, uh, I immediately want, I want it. You know, not... I couldn't really justify buying it because I have a little record player. It's like a suitcase record player. I would listen to, uh, for my, my son, I'd take him down to nap and I'd put on, a, I'd let him put the record player on and put the needle on and stuff. It's like, can you imagine how cool it is as a kid to like put a disc on, a, a giant disc on a tray that spins and like hear, you know, I I didn't grow up with a record player. I grew up with like tapes. So anyway, I don't have a record player that can support th- that would, you know, this is audiophile level vinyl like, from the ground up, inoculum was made analog. Like, they recorded analog to tape and then eventually transferred it to digital for the CD version and for streaming. The vinyl version stayed in the real world the whole time, never went to ones and zeros in a computer. At least I don't think so. I, the mastering process, who know? I don't think so, because mastering, you know, they master for vinyl. It's, it's analog, too, I think. But... As far as I know from what jo- Joe Parisi said, it's analog from the ground up. Mas- it's made for vinyl. So the vinyl release is 100% real world, never left into the digital world, and I think that holds a power. Could I fully appreciate that on a suitcase vinyl record player? I don't think so. What was really upsetting was the people finally given what they've been asking for, tool vinyl, tool vinyl, tool vinyl, when's all the tool vinyl coming out? And then they wanted to bitch about the price that Tool asked for a signed version of a pre-released first pressing of Fear Inoculum. That's, that's just, you know, insufferable. Insufferable t-shirts. <laughs> Tool creates music that has the highest of value. If if you could only listen to it by paying $800 and you were the only one that had this copy, you would do it. NFTs are a huge thing. I don't, It doesn't make any sense to me but nfts people see it as some sort of investment and that's really what this all comes down to is money and investment and like the flippers if they could buy it and sell it for more they will and tool increases that price so that maybe flippers hesitate but real collectors that want to buy it can still buy you know it's i if i had the money i would buy it 800 bucks hell yeah i'd do it like I said, I don't even have a good record player. I'd have to invest thousands in like, a good setup to listen to it. Think, if you want to think about things like NFTs and investments, then put that motherfucker in a shadow box and it's going to be worth $10,000 at some point in the future. The first pressing signed? pre Yeah, it's definitely going to go up in value. I just couldn't believe that people had the audacity to bitch about it, especially considering that poster prices that... Clippers buy up all the posters. I saw posters for twenty five hundred dollars. Addy Granoff poster, or maybe it was the Stanislav Zolkowski. But anyway, that 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 print was up for twenty five hundred dollars. Some total ass clown probably bought up ten of them. It was a short run. Music is the most valuable part of Tool, and yet people will pay the standard price for an unsigned poster. On the, in, on the interwebs, eBay sells them for $300. So Tool is asking $800 for the signed first release, first pressing of vinyl a Fear Inoculum, this giant art set box with etchings on the vinyl for $800, and people are bitching about it. Like, they would buy a poster for $800 signed. Like, it just makes no fucking sense. And the music is the most valuable part of it all spotify totally devalues music paying pennies like not even pennies they pay like a fourth of a penny less than that i don't even know how much it is but they they pay maybe ten percent of a penny for every stream and then somebody on i was in a facebook group and i was talking about how spotify sucks and they were saying you know over a lifetime of playing something for for your whole lifetime if you listen to an album your whole lifetime on spotify you've paid for the album but when you buy a cd you know, CDs get scratched. CDs get lost, uh, etc. And then you rebuy it if you love it that much. You rebuy it, and not only that, but CDs—you listen to them in order. <laughs> uh, and I know that's an old school thinking, but you know, like I, in my head, Onoma has an order to it—not like on shuffle, not on random. You know, of course, I like to listen to things on random sometimes too. But I mean, Spotify is still better than piracy. But Spotify was literally created by a pirate. Uh that think he owned the company BitTorrent, but he was literally the CEO of like a piracy platform. And then he talked all the record companies that were you know, a sinking ship, talked them into creating this platform of convenience for people. then they can sell ads. and basically they got they got on board because they were a fucking dead horse, you know, like. <laughs> But it was created by a pirate, and they pay shit to artists, you know? Go buy albums, man. Buy physical albums. I understand that with there's a lot of convenience. Every song at your fucking fingertips with Spotify, but it fucking sucks, man. I hate Spotify. I I don't pay for it. I would never. I don't pay for it. I do like to listen, but then they try to throw ads in there, or they won't let you listen to the song you want to listen to. My music's on there. Echoes of Viruses is there somewhere, but that's just because I want people to be able to find my music. It's basically fucking free advertising if... Anybody ever happens to hear it or happens to want to hear it and it's on Spotify. I mean it's not free. I pay for it. I pay for it to be on there. But what I'm saying is it's free to listen to because I get nothing I barely get any I don't get anything from it that I would ever count on. It's just there because I need to create music and I want people to hear my music, so I put it on that platform. But Spotify sucks. And I think physical objects have a power and a magic to them. I think things in the real world have a weight to them you know like gravity the larger the object is the more gravity it has you know mass and gravity go hand in hand what i'm saying is physical albums have not just excitement you get to look at it feel it um and it's in the real world but it has a magic to it it's like um think of a totem you know what do you think a totem is you know it's it gives it more power in your brain anyway. When the new Deftones album, Ohms, came out, uh, there was like a shipping delay because of COVID and all that, so it hit streaming, and I listened to it. I think I might have stayed up at midnight, or maybe that was just for Genesis. Anyway, I listened to it, but it didn't feel quite real. I loved the album. All of it was great, but it didn't feel the same because I didn't have it. It was the first time I'd bought a new album that I was looking forward to immensely. Like, Deftones is my second favorite band, if not... Tool and Deftones are, like, tied. I, it's hard to describe. They're, they're different things. So, just like you can't compare the Opiate Squared with the old one, I think that Tool and Deftones are two different animals. You know, it's art. Don't compare. Obviously, Tool is, like, another level of complexity. So, the Deftones album, my, Ohms, I was looking forward to it a lot. It had a fanzine. Once, that, once the physical fanzine got here and everything felt like, this is so cool, you know, and I had the vinyl, the clear vinyl it's just super cool but i needed that to totally connect with it you know i think maybe that's what's missing with the new generation of people that just listen on spotify to things you know there's a disconnect it's not real it's just disposable almost because everything is the same um when i buy a tool album it has a weight to it not just physical weight but i put stock into it i believe in it that's why i fucking bought it i don't buy a lot of stuff I always buy, like Queens of the Stone Age, I bought that I n- new Tame Impala, I bought that new Radiohead, I always buy, there's artists that I follow that I always buy, and if I hear something on YouTube that I like a lot, I go buy it, I want the album. But like I said, the inoculum vinyl, I would love to own it, I almost bought it on Amazon, but I don't have a fancy record player and it would cost too many fat ass dirty dollars to upgrade all my shit, It'd cost a thousand dollars to get a, a good record player but it's too many fat-ass dirty dollars. And now, on to the hooker with a penis theme. This is a very straightforward song. It's it's the shortest song on Anima, and it's pretty straightforward relative to the rest of Tool's library. It's like there's no real questioning what this is about. Um, It's a story of meeting a guy that that claims he's OGT on the first EP, and he thinks they've sold out because they signed with a major record label from Undertow, or maybe it's you know it's anima but i wonder if this is a real story or if this is an allegory like something he maybe it's a thought experiment sort of you know like justifying in his own head because the the term sellout i remember in the 90s you know it was like big time like nirvana didn't want to sell out but like soundgarden had to put out a record on an independent label before they could finally do this is what they wanted to do. They wanted to do something on independent record labels. So there's this whole aversion to selling out, you can't be a real artist on a major record label bullshit. So he's railing against that thought, but it might've also been a true story. So it's pretty straightforward story, but here's three perspectives that you could think about the song from. One, we're all participating in capitalism. Maynard is a hooker because he sold his soul to make a record. The market or buyer encourages it, so he makes more records. It's supply and demand. You know we're all participating in the economy. Uh, that's how it works. We all spend our money where, where we value. We prioritize things and we value them. And this guy's wearing a band T-shirt. He's wearing a dope beastie tee, uh, walking around sipping coke, branded stuff, and wearing tattoos probably of stupid Disney characters. Or uh, if they're like my dad and my brother, tool tattoos all over him. He's basically a walking commercial. Not that I don't have tattoos, but my dad and my brother had tool tattoos that that that's fucking awesome so this is a story about a guy walking around it's basically an advertisement he's he's a living and breathing advertisement for something and Maynard is basically telling him if you don't want to participate in this hypocrisy you basically have to throw down your fucking coke and and your pants (laughs) or shut the fuck up two you only know what he sold you like a hooker with a penis it's a surprise dick you know, you know you thought you were buying a hooker and now you're getting fucked. It's a hooker's dick. But he only sold you what's on the surface. You don't know his his you don't know his integrity. You don't know what runs underneath the intentions of an artist. And you thought you could critique him Well, he gave you a, a good six inches of Maynard and told you to fuck off because he's gonna do what he's gonna do. Three, whether or not Tool sold out is irrelevant because they did it in the smartest most business-wise way that you possibly could they maintained creative control and they took less money to maintain creative controls they sold their souls to make a record but they undersold their souls so that they could maintain the control of it and have integrity if you don't like the new shit well i'm sorry buddy it wasn't made for you it was made for the artist from his true sense of self and and from where they are now that's integrity I personally know a couple of the OGT type thinkers where they might not immediately like something. Of course, this is like not giving it enough of fucking time to set into their brain. They just fucking start saying things because they can't shut the fuck up and listen for a little while. But here's what a lot of people don't realize is that timing has a lot to do with your perception of music. You know, if you listen to something as, as an adolescent, it just... It impacts you more, you know? It, or the timing of your life has something to do with it, too. When Fear Inoculum came out, my dad was dying. It had a huge impact on me from from there. Uh, did I immediately latch onto it? You don't know, but I was listening to it constantly, and it helped me to transition through that. But I had to sit with the music and and dissect it and, and really chew on it. To f- you, ca- you can't judge things right away by what it, what it makes you feel. Of course, if I'd heard it when I was a kid, I might have immediately loved it. You know, who knows? I respect Tool, and when they release music, I listen to it on repeat. I listen to it, and I sit with it, and like I said, I respect them enough to believe that they are doing this from their, true, from their truest self. And if I don't get it, I don't jump to some conclusion, I don't say they fucking sold out, or I don't even... If I don't get it right away... I sit with it, with the hopes that at one point, if I listen enough, I'll understand it, or something will change in my life that it clicks. And a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people just critique critique things right away instead. Some quotes on capitalism to wrap up the hooker with a penis theme. Well, first of all, tell me, is there some society that you know that doesn't run on greed? You think Russia doesn't run on greed? You think China doesn't run on greed? What is greed? Of course, none of us are greedy. It's only the other fellow that's greedy. The world runs on individuals pursuing their separate interests. The great achievements of civilizations have not come from government bureaucrats. Einstein didn't construct his theory of relativity under order from a bureaucrat. Henry Ford didn't revolutionize the automobile industry that way. That's a quote from Milton Friedman. I, think I added a couple words because these glasses are starting to fog up. This is the second quote. A people who are possessed of the spirit of commerce, who see and who will pursue their advantages, may achieve almost anything. A quote from George Washington. Now, on to this week's disgusted segment Poster flippers. The flippers. I'm not talking about somebody who resells a poster at relative market value because that's what somebody's willing to pay for it i'm talking about these pieces of shit that buy up 10 of them and just turn around and i've seen them posted as quick as like the show is happening and people are posting it on ebay and then who knows if the price is being driven up by this person who has another account and they're driving the price bids up and making it look like it sold for more than it did so that becomes the going price uh, you're being duped, people. I don't know. But, you know, posters were never even a thing for me until this poster back here. That was the first... I mean, it's not the first. There's another poster back there. But you know what? It's hung up with thumbtacks. This tool poster, thumbtacks. The JC, the Justin Chancellor one that I gave my brother, I put it up on the wall with thumbtacks. I know that's dumb, and I actually I had anxiety, and I, I stuck them in a They were just put away for a long time. And then I'm like, why do I have all these poster tubes and like my walls are barren because I have anxiety about I got to invest all this money in frames and shit. And I just started tacking up things that inspire me onto the wall because I don't fucking plan on reselling it. Like I'm not investing money. It's not an investment for me. It's something that I love, that I value, and that inspires me. And I put it on my fucking wall with thumbtacks. And yeah, I'm talking about the poster flippers and greed. I'm not talking about somebody that might buy two posters or even four because I know that, like, I'm going to this tool show tomorrow and I've got, uh, you know, I might go to buy a poster and my brother might go to another line if he was going to get a poster. And then we'd buy two, one for ourselves and one for the other. And then I got somebody else that I know that's going to the tool show. You know, you might buy three of them. And then knowing that I could turn around and sell them. To uh, another tool fan, you know, and in one of my tool collective groups, it's not greed. I'm not, I'm not marking it up, you know. And even if you did mark it up some, that's not all that greedy either. If you're buying three, or you're buying two, but at some point, it's a, it's greed, and you're depriving the person behind you of something that they're gonna treasure for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I understand everybody needs to make a buck. I understand that. Money is important. And I might not shame somebody for stealing bread. And for all I know, this person is using it to buy food. But do we need rules to keep us in line from treating the person behind us poorly by depriving them of something? There are several factors that play into that. Like there's a low number of prints. And that could be for several reasons, but one of them could be to drive up the value of the posters. And Uh, maybe to drive up the value of the artist. You know, like everybody wants this person's art and they start looking at, you know, they start seeking out this person's art or they become a big fan of it or they, maybe it drives up the value of the tool brand. I do know that at some point on the Tool Army website I noticed a ton of unsold shirts with the bug the bug design. That, That tool poster is the bug design. But apparently they used that same print on a bunch of the tour dates. So Either people didn't, they might've made a lot. Let me see the number on there. That one has a number of 500. At Tool has grown bigger. And at one of the shows, I think it was the Stanislaw poster was only 350 of them. I might be wrong about that. The poster in my living room, the Colorado spring one is a uh, 550, I think, or maybe 450. It's 550. There's a bit of a collector mentality, you know, with uh like i have a whole collection of comic book cards and comic books i collect i have a collect it's a, there's a collector mentality to it and people putting things in like a folder like a portfolio i've seen that and i'm not shaming that i i get it you know i never got it before but i i'm starting to get it just from trying to figure out why people drive the value of these things up so high and then the tool groups also have like raffles and stuff which that if you won a poster, like that would make your day, you know. If you won, I know somebody won the tool signed uh, Fear Inoculum vinyl, that would, you know, it costs $25 to enter, and then you get a vinyl, like vinyl valued at $800. That would just, so it makes somebody feel really good. The feeling of finally acquiring something that you've been, you know, it gives you like this thing to strive for in a world where everything's digital, you know material objects like i said they have more weight and and then you put more stock on them because they are limited and maybe it takes a limited availability to drive up to make people really go get the thing you know i know i wouldn't even want a playstation 5 yet because there's not that many games but because i can't get one i would almost feel like i had to jump on it if i saw one in person i'd be like "I, i gotta buy this you know because it's you know they're not in stock or they're limited it's really it's a status thing or it's I don't get it. I don't get it. But I do know that it works. It works to drive up people's impulse to buy it when they can. So yeah, ultimately, I never understood the poster thing, but I'm not a normal people. I wasn't even going to buy one of the Adam Jones posters at the tool signing event when I met him. But it actually looked really cool through the window. It looks super cool. And so I I was like, man, that thing would look awesome behind my guitars, which it does. It does. So I understand that people are going to flip posters. I understand the flippers are going to flip and the greedy are going to be greedy and they're going to, but they're going to deny the person behind them from something that they really wanted. So do we really need rules to make us behave like good people? I'm Jeff. I'm out.